0: Amen. Do you believe? You know, I appreciate Elaine, Steve, and choir for that great music. Let's give them another hand. Really good. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4, if you want to turn there. And as you turn there, I just want to let you know I'm excited about what God is doing here, Arden First. Through the eyes of faith and the heart of love, I see God getting ready to do something big. I don't know about you, but I can, I can sense it, I can feel it, I see it. I see people coming to Christ for the first time and getting saved. I see senior adults getting on fire. And retirement becomes the time when you retire, you refire, and you're on fire for God. I see young families joining the church, kids running down the aisles. I see those who have jobs in the marketplace. They see their marketplace job as their ministry. I see young families serving. I see middle aged people realizing that God has put them for such a time as this. I see students on fire for God, catching a greater vision for God than the vision for the world. I see God doing amazing things. Can you see it? Anticip- anticipation is rising, God's Spirit is moving, and we're just really excited. For those of you who weren't here in the business meeting this past Sunday, two exciting things happened. One is we um, voted Adam for his new apartment life ministry. We're excited about that. So he's currently moved in. And for those of you who haven't been here the past few weeks, we've talked about 95% of apartments are unchurched. So now Adam and Renee are living in one of the apartments down the road as missionaries. So we're excited about that. Uh, We voted Ben and Caroline in to help us with the contemporary worship service. In Carolina, Caroline, you guys stand up for a moment. So they didn't know I was going to do this.
1: So. Thank you.
0: We're, we're starting a new 930 modern contemporary service to reach out to those in our community, a mission outreach service. So God is just doing so many things behind the scenes and we're really excited about it. Um, we're going to be in Luke 4, so hopefully your turn there. If you have a listening guide in your bulletin, you can take that out. Um, it's interesting about uh, the wintertime. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for springtime to come. I love wintertime, but there's been so much sickness. How many of you have been sick this wintertime? Raise your hand. All right, a good portion, and some are out because of it. Well, I, I learned the hard way um, when it comes to kids that we went, we, we went against our better judgment. We went I'm not going to name the restaurant, but we went to a play place, and every time my kids go to this particular restaurant, they always get sick. Every time they're in the playground, it's either a, a flu, a, a cold symptom, a bug, something. They haven't got the flu, but usually a, a cold virus. So we, we, it was a few weeks ago when the power went out. We took our kids to this restaurant, and they're like, can we play? And we're like, sure, go ahead. So they played, and 20 minutes of fun turned into two weeks of sickness. 20 minutes of fun. So I told my wife, never again, I don't care how much they want to play in this indoor playground... It can become a cesspool of germs unless you clean it. Now there are some restaurants who clean it. The last few we went to didn't, and my kids got sick. So I, I drew um, a thought from that. There's kind of a parallel. You ever notice that the consequences of sin are far greater than the pleasures of sin? You know, 20 minutes of playground fun and two weeks of sickness. I was thinking that's, that's such a parallel. Today, just a little preview. We're going to talk about how Jesus has the power and the authority over darkness, over sin, over sickness. And we're going to talk about basically 24 hours in the life of Jesus. So where we picked up last week, Jesus had basically went to his hometown in Nazareth. And what did they try to do? They tried to kill him, right? Throw him off the cliff. So Jesus goes about 20 miles north to a place called Capernaum. And within 24 hours, Jesus is going to do some amazing things. We're going to see him casting out a demon. We're going to see him healing a sickness. We're going to see that he has the power and the authority over darkness and over sickness. So, if you will, turn with me to Luke four, starting in verse thirty-one. It says then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. You may want to underline that in your Bible or listening, God. This is a key theme: authority. Now, in the Sabbath, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. Now, before we read verse 34, imagine if you're in a synagogue in a church service and someone that's demon-possessed stands up and starts screaming out. Wouldn't that kind of wig you out in church? You're like, I came to church to worship God and here's someone just going crazy. Look at verse 34. This demon-possessed person cries out, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Sounds like something out of a movie, doesn't it? But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. They were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word this is, for with a Authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went into every place in the surrounding region. Verse 38. Now when he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother, that is his mother-in-law, was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, so we see a full 24 hour period coming, coming through, he departed and went to a deserted place and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this person I have been sent for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Let us pray, Father, quite an interesting passage. We see how you have the power and the authority over darkness and over sickness. And God, I know there's many here who are struggling either with darkness, with temptation, or with sickness. So Lord, give us wisdom and help us to realize that because we are in Christ, we too can walk in the power and the authority over darkness and over sickness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I want to give you three truths that can transform your life from this text the first one is this Jesus has authority and power over the forces of darkness Jesus has authority and power over the forces of darkness now what would you do if someone at Arden first just stood up and started screaming out saying stop preaching the word or you know started going crazy has anybody ever experienced that in a church setting anybody okay some of you have now I haven't, well, I've seen not quite that extreme, I've seen some, some distractions, but I've experienced this in downtown Asheville. Now I'll tell you a story, and hope this doesn't scare anybody, true story. Um, I was a church planner, and we were always trying to, you know, reach out, invite people to church. And this particular outing, we were feeding the homeless, much, less, much like Adam and Aaron, the youth, have done. So we had these bagged lunches, given and out. And we walked up to this one guy and we asked, can we give you, uh, would you like some food? And he's like, no. And it was really bizarre how he talked. And we're like, okay, can we pray over you? We're praying, do you have anything to pray? And he basically flat out said no. And we had one person in the group that was behind him that was praying silently and he could kind of sense something was going on. And this guy was a shady figure, let's put it that way. And as we were leaving, I I had introduced myself initially. And he remembered my name. As we were leaving, he said goodbye like this. I'll see you later, Timothy. And I'm like, oh, you know. Here I am. I'm in my 20s, you know, charging hell with a water pistol. I wasn't prayed up. I didn't even think about it. I'm just like, man, we're, we're getting the gospel out. I was like, God's going to protect us. Um, so within a day or two, I had a dream. And I, I seldom dream unless I've ate a lot of pizza the night before. And I just had this dream, and the dream was there was two shadowy figures dragging me into the darkness, and I was like in my dream in terror. And I was trying to break away. They had both my arms, and then I woke up. You know how you wake up, and it's almost like a cold sweat type feeling. You're just like, wow. So at the time, as a church planner, we were renting a church on long shoals, renting out their building, used it in the afternoon. And as I went to pay the rent, I talked to the church secretary, and she said, someone was looking for you. And it wasn't like a good looking for you. They were trying to hunt me down That's the the feeling I got. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I missed that. A few days later, this is the same week, we had, you've heard of internet bullies. We had internet terrorists that decided to target our church. And he, some guy we never met, he lived in Wilmington, he decided to go on our Facebook group and message every member of the church. Basically saying that the church was some cult and... You know, all this bad stuff about the church. He started messaging my wife, private messaging my wife, saying, I'm going to divide you and your husband up. He threatened to come to the church and split the church. And he was just going off. And we're like, who is this guy? Some guy in Wilmington. So um, we, we had to get the SBI involved and finally shut the guy down. But he threatened to come to church that Sunday. We had a bodyguard on duty. It was just scary. And as I thought about it, the Lord kind of showed me the guy I met downtown Asheville. I'll see you later, Timothy. I had the dream of the two shadowy figures. And I'm like, the first one I dodged, the second one was right there. And thank, thank the Lord he didn't show up at church that Sunday. But what I realize is there's, there's evil in the world. You don't have to go downtown Asheville to experience it. It's all around us. But what we see here in the text is that Jesus has power and authority over the forces of darkness. So notice he goes to Capernaum. And the people were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed? The scripture says they were, he, they were all amazed because he spoke as one with authority. See, what the, the rabbis would do at that day is whenever they read an Old Testament passage, they, they would give their thoughts and then they would quote all the authorities. Here's what Hillel says. Here's what this scribe says. Here's what this rabbi says. But what Jesus did is he spoke on his own authority. It'd be kind of like this. Imagine if Arden first, I read a passage of scripture and I'd say, MacArthur says this, Spurgeon says this, and the whole time I was quoting commentaries. That'd put you to sleep really fast, wouldn't it? Um, Well, that's what the the rabbis did. They would quote other people. And Jesus spoke with boldness and authority. He came out, this is what God says. So he came to Capernaum, which later became his headquarters, because we, we read last week how people in Nazareth, his hometown, kicked him out and tried to kill him. So he basically made Capernaum as his headquarters of ministry. And we also know that Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were from Capernaum. And it's interesting when Jesus comes to the synagogue, how the unexpected happened. There was a demon-possessed man there. Now, it begs the question, why would someone that's demon-possessed go to church? Everything about that, it seems like they would stay away from church, right? We don't really know why he was there, but often Satan likes to show up to divide and discourage and distract so at the very least, he was a distraction. At the very most, the devil had a plan of division. So what, what we can learn from this passage, if you look back in verses 31 and following, um, skip down to verse 35, it says, Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. The verse before that, the devil said, we, the demon-possessed man said, we know who you are. So a few things we can learn about demons here in this text. Number one, the demons know who Jesus is. And you're like, well, how is that? Well, remember, Jesus is the creator of the world. And he created all the angels. And we know from the Old Testament that one-third of the angels rebelled and fell from heaven. So guess what? All these fallen angels who became demons, they know Jesus. He's the one who created them. We also know that the demons know there's a future day of judgment. As we can read in several accounts... The demons fear the day of judgment. Are you here to tor- torment us before the time? So they know their day is coming. And also demons do occasionally possess unsaved people. Why do I say unsaved people? Because a Christian cannot be possessed by the devil. The Christian can be oppressed. The devil can come against. The devil can throw fiery darts at believers. But we cannot be possessed. And that's good news. Say amen. But there are occasionally lost people... We don't know how it all happens, but they open themselves up to darkness somehow and they end up possessed. So this is the the, the nature of the guy that that showed up. So notice how Jesus dealt with this distraction. He basically told the demon to shut up and to get out. He didn't make a big show. You ever notice sometimes when you, you see movies about exorcisms or it's a big show, like I'm getting ready to do this. Jesus just spoke to the demon and said, get out and shut up. And he didn't make a big show about it. He rebuked the demons. Notice he didn't allow the demons to bear witness of him. He didn't allow them to talk. And why was that? Well, weren't they saying the right thing? They said, you're the Christ. You're the Holy One of God. Isn't that who Jesus is? Why wouldn't he accept the testimony of, of the demons? Well, there's a few reasons. One is their testimony is unreliable. I mean, would you like Satan to give testimony of you? Would you want to accept his testimony? It's... It, But also, the the lifestyle has to match what the word is. And obviously, Satan may know the truth, but is he living the truth? Absolutely not. And one author brought up this one. I thought it was insightful. He says, Jesus came to seek and save the lost people. He didn't come for the demons. He came from the people. So he, he didn't allow the demon to speak. But notice also, whenever Jesus cast the demon out, what did the demons do to the man right before? Threw him to the ground. The demon was trying to hurt the person. The demons were, but Jesus didn't allow the person to get hurt. He protected the person. And what were the people's reaction? Look at verse 36. Then they all were amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word with this, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went to every place in the surrounding region. So notice that it says, with power and with authority, authority. And what's interesting is Jesus has both power and authority. Have you ever met people that had authority, but no power? In other words, they had a title or position, but they didn't really have any way to create change. We we see that a lot of times. Someone has the title only, we say. And then sometimes people have the power, but no authority. In other words, they can create change. They can be a catalyst, but they don't have the opportunity. With Jesus, he has the power And he has the authority. He has the ability to to make things happen, but also he has the right because he is the son of God. Amen? Do you ever feel overwhelmed with evil in our world? You look at the school shootings we see all the time in Florida and beyond. We think about the shooting in Vegas that happened. And you turn on your news and you're like, another shooting, another crisis. You see all the political division in our country. You see the social unrest. You see all the darkness in our world. Well, friends, I've come to be a bearer of good news. Jesus has power and authority over all darkness. And no matter what happens in this world, Jesus says that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Paul said it like this. In Christ, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So as Paul spoke those words to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, listen to this, we are more than conquerors. And Jesus said, by the way, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, right? In this world you will have trouble. So here's as I look at this text, and I see Jesus has power and authority over darkness. it gives me encouragement. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when you find darkness, when you turn on the news and there's so much depressing stuff. And by the way, just a little side note, regardless of what news channel you watch. You know how these shootings, they, they do these psychoanalysis and they're like, we can't understand why the shooting happened in Vegas or the school shooting. What prompted them? Listen, we don't know all the reasons why, but we know the source. The Bible says Satan is a murderer. The Bible says Satan's job description, his M.O. is to steal, kill, and destroy. So anytime you have someone murder in cold blood and people that are trying to destroy, guess who's motivated that? The devil and the demons of hell. So don't worry about the psychobabble. Realize, you listen, the enemy is out there and he's trying to kill and destroy. But Jesus has victory and power over that. Can I get an uh-huh? All right, number two. Jesus has authority and power over the causes and effects of sickness. Jesus has power and authority over the causes and effects of sickness. Now, some of you may not have related to the crazy actual story or I'll see you later, Timothy, or any of that. But listen, sickness is everywhere. All of us have people that we know that are sick, that are dying, that are struggling. And it's the world we live in. We live in a fallen world, and I hate to bear bad news, but we're all in the process of dying. Have you noticed? (laughs) It, It seems perpetual. But here's the good news. Jesus has power, and he has authority over sickness. Now let's look at verse 38 again. Now, he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. And from what I understand from church history, Simon Peter's house wasn't far from the synagogue. So it wasn't that far of a walk in Capernaum. But Simon's mother, wife's mother, was sick with a high fever. Notice Luke. What is Luke again? He's a doctor, so he marks out she had a high fever. And in the Greek, it's like this mega burning, like she is really... In, you may say, that's a fever's not a big deal, but in that day before Tylenol and aspirin, you could die of a fever. This was a big deal. So they asked Jesus to help her. In verse 39, it says, he stood over her, and notice, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. So we see in the preceding verses, he rebuked the demon, the demon came out. Now, someone else is sick, he rebukes the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose... And serve them. So I want you to notice that Jesus has power over sickness and over disease. Over the causes and effects that bring it. And you're like, well, that sounds great, Timothy, in church. But I have a a relative that was sick and we prayed over him or her and he or she died. Let me ask you a question. If someone is a Christian and you pray healing over him or her and they die, did God answer your prayer? Absolutely. just not the way you expect it. So here, here's the beautiful truth. And this should make all of us Christians feel good. One day we may get sick. One day we may have a sickness that leads to death. But guess what? If you're a Christian, God does heal you in the presence of God. You wake up in glory. Because look, think about it like this. Let's say if I'm 100 years old and you guys find out I'm sick and you're praying for healing and we want that, but listen, if I get healed on this side of eternity, it's just a, a dead body that just has a little bit more life. Wouldn't I rather have an eternal body? If God answered every prayer for healing on this side of eternity, we'd live like 140, 150. We'd be a vegetable on a couch. And would that be a grace of God that let us to keep on living on in these bodies when a new body awaits us on the other side? So you could put it like this. If God always answered a prayer for healing on this side, we just keep living. And God doesn't want us to live forever in these bodies that are dying. He's got a better body and a better life prepared. Amen? So this life is not the best. It's not your best life now. It's your best life later. Jesus came to give you life in it more abundantly now. But listen, glory awaits on the other side. And if you could just get one glimpse behind the veil of what awaits, we'd want to go there two months yesterday. We wouldn't want to continue on in this world. We just don't know what waits on the other side. So let's look at this text. Right after Jesus left this place to worship, I can imagine that he's expecting a place of rest. Let's go to Peter's house. Let's rest. Uh, Peter's wife and mother-in-law are cooking. Who who knows what they were thinking? You you have your synagogue service and now it's time to rest. But was there any rest for Jesus? Absolutely not. After he finishes preaching, he deals with the demonized man. It's time to rest, right? Nope. Someone's sick. So Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And notice that Jesus rebuked the fever and the fever left her. So this shows us that Jesus has power over sickness and disease. And I just want to encourage you. right now, as you, as you look around, there's many people that are affected by sickness, many people um, affected by the flu season, it goes around. And I just want to bring encouraging words, since Jesus has power over sickness and disease. If you feed your fears, your faith will starve. But if you feed your faith, your fears will starve. So when it comes to sickness or disease, you have two choices. You can feed your fears and be like, I'm worried about the worst possible case scenario. Or you can feed your faith and realize, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be okay. If you kill me today, guess what? I'm promoted. As Billy Graham said at 99 and in his obituary, you know, as he left this behind, whenever I die... I've not really died, i just changed addresses. You can't kill the Christian, you can only promote me. So I think that's good news. So I wanted to share two brief stories about this. It begs the question, what do you do when God heals and when God chooses not to? It's a good question. And I apologize on behalf of all the bad theology that pastors have given. Like, if you don't get healed, it's just because you don't have enough faith. Listen, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, he prayed... And what did God say? My grace is sufficient for you. God will answer in a way that is according to his will, not according to what I want. We are not demi-gods. We can't command God to do anything. We submit to his will. But as the Christian, as we said, if you pray for healing, God always says yes. It's just a matter of when. So I'll give you two stories. One, when God didn't answer it the way I wanted. And another, when God did a miracle. So the first one, uh, when I was pastoring in Hendersonville, Um, we got this um, report that one of the ladies that lived in an apartment, we had a Bible study in one of the condos, and one of the the roommates next door uh, that lived in an adjacent condo uh, was a lady that had cancer, and uh, she was dying. And basically they said, Timothy, can you come and pray for her? So I said, sure. So I went and talked to the lady. She was probably in her 70s, really nice lady, very highly educated. She had either a master's or doctor's degree, she had been involved in politics, very brilliant woman, educator. And I basically talked to her, I heard her story, and I presented the gospel. I understood she had a Catholic background, and I said, you know, what do you think it takes to get to heaven? And she was under the impression, from what I can tell, maybe good works or being a good person. And I basically explained to her, to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. And she's like, oh. i like, well, listen, I'm not perfect either. So I explained the gospel, how Jesus Christ died for her sins, he lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He was buried. He rose again. So if you place your faith in Christ alone, you will have eternal life. And that lady, in her 70s, um, from my understanding, she had never heard the gospel. And she was a brilliant educator, smart lady. So she prayed to receive Christ that very moment. And she became a Christian. She started coming to the church. She still had cancer. So he prayed for her if it was God's will that he would heal the cancer. And he took her to heaven. Now, let me ask you a question. Did he answer the prayer? Yes, but not the way I wanted. We wanted her to stay around in this testimony of grace. But listen, she, was, she accepted Christ and God took her to heaven. Another example where God did answer it with a yes was, you remember my aunt recently? She had fallen out of the car about a year ago. And the entire family thought that she not only was going to have to get her foot amputated, but she was probably going to die. That was just what everyone thought. And the family, we rallied around her, prayed over her, God miraculously healed her leg where she didn't need amputation and she's back in the car and she's back driving. She's not dead. So God answered that. So there's certain times where God says yes and there's certain times where God says not in the way you want it but here's my will. So that, that's the beautiful thing. So in the case of Peter's mother-in-law, God healed her and she came back and, and she served. And that just brings up a question of application. How many of us have been touched by Jesus? And we're not doing anything for Jesus. Do you ever notice that? As soon as this lady was healed, what did she do? She got up and served the disciples. And here's my thing. If we have been touched by Jesus, we should be overflowing with love for Jesus. And so many of us in the church, if we've been saved for a long time, it's easy to lose that fire and that passion. But listen, let us us look at the example of the mother-in-law. If you have been touched by Jesus, you should be overflowing with gratitude for Jesus. Amen? Alright, finally, we talked about Jesus not only has power and authority over darkness and over sickness, but Jesus didn't let distractions deter him from his mission. Look at verse number 42. Now, when it was day, and like I said, this is like 24 hours in the life of Jesus, from the previous day to this day, he went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought to come to him and try to keep him from leaving them. Now, I'm going to ask Brother Victor a question back there. Victor was a pastor. Um, Victor, you don't have to ask out, answer out loud, but if you're a pastor and your former ministry was really hard, you know, in Nazareth they tried to kill Jesus, you go to Capernaum and they love you, they want you to stay, I don't know about you guys, but I would want to stay around for a little bit, right? I mean, these people are loving me. I don't know what's going on, but maybe the women are baking meals, and, you know, all this is not, I want to, I want to hang out, but look what Jesus says. They, they try to get him to stay. And Jesus said, I've got to go because look at verse number 43. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus knew his purpose. Do you know your purpose? He knew exactly what his mission was. And by the way, it's interesting. He didn't say um, my purpose is to do miracles or healings. And Jesus did that. But his main priority was preaching the truth about God. And I think sometimes as churches, we get mixed up. It's about the miracles. It's about all those things are great. But the the truth is the kingdom of God. The truth is, Jesus said, this is what I'm called to do. He didn't get deterred by the distractions. Have you guys ever been distracted in life? Anybody want to be honest? How many of you have ADD? Anybody in here want to be honest? Well, see, ADD are some of the most creative people, so there's some positive sides to ADD, just, just so you know. Um, I came across some of, you know, Tom Rainer, he's the president of Southern Baptist Life Away, and he did a survey among pastors. Now, this is the question. What crazy thing has happened while you've been preaching in church? We just read about Jesus, this demon person stand up. Oh, this wasn't necessarily those things, but they did hundreds of response pastors going off. I'm going to read a few of these. These were the top 10. I won't read all of them. But this first pastor, he calls it crazy as a bat. A bat started flying low while I was preaching. Many people were screaming. Finally, some of the men captured the critter. They actually prayed over him and released him toward the Methodist Church. oh, that's funny. I've heard of Arden First you guys actually had a bat here, right? Before I came. Okay, the bat's not been here. This pastor he called it don't pledge the pews. In his particular congregation, they had solid wooden pews, and they hired a new janitor. Wouldn't that be nice to hear? I hired a new janitor. And he decided to impress the congregation, so he pledged all the pews, you know, the wood pledge. So as the pastor was preaching, people slipped off their chairs and just fell to the floor. There was bang, bang, bang all across the congregation. So the pastor said, never pledge the pews again, please. This other pastor, he calls this chemical spill. He says, while I was preaching, um, I smelt this chemical odor. And he said, I started getting worried because I was getting lightheaded as I was preaching. And I learned later that a woman was taking off her fingernail polish using fingernail polish remover. And he said the odors was all (laughs) in the congregation. But he kept preaching. All right, this one is called UFO Spotted. While this pastor was preaching, a kid kicked off a tennis shoe and it landed right next to him while he was preaching. He just kept going. Now this one, I think the men at Ardenverse could relate. I I laughed at this one. It's called How Many Men Does It Take? This pastor says, during one of my sermons, everyone was distracted as one man after another disappeared from the sanctuary. Finally, I learned that there was a leak in one of the restrooms. Eight men were trying to fix the leak while ten of them were observing. (laughs) All right, this one's for Elaine and Stephen. And I want to, the language here I have to polish up a little bit. But um, while this pastor was preaching, they had the choir sitting in the back. You know how that happens sometimes. So he was going really fiery in one of the messages and one of the choir members had a cold and her sneeze was so loud, let's just say it went all, all over the back of his jacket and he kept preaching. The choir members were all in a laughter because, you know, the back of his jacket so they had to walk out during his sermon. Alright, I, I found the best for last. These are, these are true stories, by the way. The pastor calls it an arresting moment. This pastor was ten minutes into his sermon When two police officers came into the service, pointed to a deacon to come out of the pew, they handcuffed him and took him away. He said, I thought the amazing thing was the pastor kept preaching. But what was even more amazing is the deacon's wife stayed for the entire service. I was like, wow, wow. So the idea there are distractions in life, (laughs) but you have to stay focused on the mission. Notice Jesus could have got distracted in Capernaum, but he said, listen, I've come to preach. I've come to get the gospel out. So, how many of you have crazy schedules? Most of us do, right? So what can we learn from Jesus? This is in your listening guide. Two tips on how to continue your relationship with God, even in the midst of a crazy schedule. The first one is solitude. After busy times of life and ministry, you'll need to get away to connect with God. We see throughout the ministry of Jesus, he got up early. And there are times when he prayed all night, he connected with God. The second point is schedule. We need to take time out to connect with God in your schedule. Now something Laura and I have realized with kids, which by the way, they're sick today from the playground, just in case you're wondering. Um, Never going to that restaurant playground again. But is schedule, if you don't take time early, or whenever it works in your schedule, some of you are not morning People, so, maybe it's later, but if you don't take time out, how many of you know the day comes and it comes and goes, and you're like, I forgot to pray today? And it's really a challenge to many of us. So, Jesus preached about the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God, overarching, is God's rule and reign over the entire universe. God's in charge of the whole universe. But to contextualize it to you, what is God's kingdom to me it is God's rule and your reign in the hearts of his people. So here's what that looks like. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God is life the way God intends. So what does that look like in your life? Whenever you live out the kingdom, you're bringing life the way God intended out to where you live, work, and play. So think about it like this. If you're with a coworker and they've had a really bad day and you sit there and listen and you listen to them talk and you ask good questions, you don't talk about yourself, you talk to them, for that moment they've tasted the kingdom, life the way God wanted Um, Let's say you buy someone a meal that's homeless and you you share with them, you talk to them and for that moment they get a taste of the kingdom. So here's the thing, the kingdom of God is inside each believer and one day we have a coming kingdom that Jesus will establish on this earth. It's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, the kingdom of God. So the role as believers is this, get the kingdom of God out, it's inside of you, you have to get it out. So Jesus has power and he has authority over what? We talked about two things today. Over the forces of darkness. Don't let Satan scare you. Don't let Satan cause you to live in fear. Remember we talked about if you feed your faith, your fears will starve. But if you feed your fears, your faith will starve. So don't worry about darkness. Pray about it. Allow God to protect you. But Jesus also has authority and power over the causes and effects of sickness. From Peter's mother-in-law, and through many stories in the Bible, we see that Jesus does heal, it's not always in the way we want. So if a Christian is sick or dying, the good news is they're going to be completely healed one day. So all of us, listen, we're going to get old, we're going to, we're going to have certain things that happen to us, unless Jesus comes, we're all going to die, but listen, when we die, we're promoted. When we die, it's just we change residence, as Billy Graham says. So that's the encouraging news for every believer. And finally, Jesus didn't let the distractions deter him from his mission. You guys are going to remember about the bat and all those stories. But listen, you have a mission. Satan, if he can't cause you to sin, he's going to try to distract you. You ever think about that? Some of you, he's trying to get to sin. You're like, I'm not going to do. But he tries to distract you. If he can't distract you, he'll try to discourage you. And the two things that Satan feeds on is lies and fear. He'll either try to lie to you or he'll try to cause you to live in fear. Don't let Satan... Calls you to live in those areas. So making it personal. Look at your listening guide. Just a few application points as we close. I will not let darkness dwell in my life. Since Jesus has authority and power over all darkness. So as a Christian. Listen. Sin shall not be your master. You are a saint. I tell some people that. And they're like no I'm not. Listen. If you're forgiven. You are a saint. So don't live in darkness. Don't live in any patterns of sin. As you sin and fall short. And we all do. Confess it to God. Allow Him to give you the victory. I will not let fear cripple me from following Jesus since Jesus has power and authority over the causes and effects of sickness. So some, some of us as believers, listen, we've lived in fear of dying all our life and you don't have to anymore. Because listen, no matter what happens to you, God's got you covered. Amen. And finally, I will not be, be deterred from God's call on my life since Jesus has a calling and a plan for my life. I really believe each person in here God has DNA written in your spiritual destiny. You have DNA inside of you that is destiny. Like, God has a purpose and a plan. All my life, uh, my parents and others have quoted scripture over me like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Listen, God's got great plans. You can say it like this, He's got a destiny for you. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more or super abundantly above all that you could ask or think. That's good news. So to summarize this in one sentence, your take-home truth, Jesus has authority and power over all darkness and disease. Therefore, I will not fear what may come my way. So my prayer as we leave this place in a few minutes, you will leave with more victory. If Satan had a a fear over you about sickness or disease or darkness, you can say, listen, Jesus has authority and because I'm in Christ, I'm going to walk in the authority of Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father, your word is true and your word is powerful. We thank you that you have authority over darkness, over disease, over sickness. And God, I know emotionally it doesn't feel that way sometimes, but we know truth outweighs emotion. So Father, just with everyone praying, no one looking around, Would there be anyone that would say, Timothy, you know, I have people in my life that are suffering from sickness, from disease, and it's really hard. And today, I just want to pray for victory, that I know that Jesus has victory over that. And in the short run, it may not look good, but from an eternal picture, God's got me covered. Just raise your hand. Father, you see those hands lifted to the heavens. For those who are sick, we do pray for miracle we love for healing to take place, and we do pray in faith for that. But God, as a believer in Christ, if you choose not to answer that in the way we expect, we know you've got a greater plan. And Father, I pray for those who are struggling with the darkness in their life. It may be a a sin pattern. It may be something they feel like Satan's got a hold of them. I just pray that those chains would be broken, that those strongholds would be released, because in Christ we have victory over sin. And over darkness in her life. So as as we continue to pray, confess into those areas to Christ. As everyone continues to pray, I want to talk to someone today that may be like that seven-year-old lady that you've never heard the gospel. And today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. You realize you're not perfect. You're not going to make it to heaven in your own perfection because you don't have it. But right where you're sitting, say it in your own words, something like this Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that You're the Son of God who lived the perfect life that I couldn't live. I believe that You died on the cross for my sins and You rose again in new life. So Jesus, I need You. Please forgive me. Jesus, please come into my life. I give my life over to You. I make You my Lord, my Savior, my best friend. And I ask for Your forgiveness of all my sins. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. We love you and we give you thanks. In the name of of all names, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This time, usher is going to come forward and we're going to have a response time with giving and also with prayer. I'll be at the front to pray over any needs you may have. And Tom's going to say a prayer over the offering and has a quick announcement. But after Tom uh, prays for us, I want to encourage you to respond as the Lord leads.
1: I actually have a couple of things that I, that I wanted to bring up. One is uh, another thank you from everybody in the church to each one of you. How many people were here Wednesday night downstairs? Wednesday night is a tremendous worship time in this church, and the first Wednesday is particularly good because we have special programs. And this time, we had our first program in our fellowship hall since it has been totally renovated. And it was a great time. Uh, we had uh, a group that sang. Teresa and Caroline and Madison sang. Tim, or, uh, Stephen played. We don't want Timothy playing. Uh, Stephen played for him, and it was a great time of worship. And I want to thank all of you for giving so generously to make that possible, to have that building down there to have that area totally redone if you haven't been down there take a few minutes walk down there and look at it you won't even recognize it 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 doesn't even look like the same place doesn't feel like the same place and that's that's because of of y'all we've done other things with our nehemiah fund we've also uh in the last stages of completing wi-fi all over our campus in in every aspect of our building that's for your convenience and also for teaching so that our classes can, can use uh, the electronic gifts that are available online. Many of you may have received the uh, Right Now Media that the church has made available for all of you. If you haven't had a chance to look at that, go online and look at it. It's tremendous what it has. It has, I think Timothy said, 2,500 videos for children, if you've got grandchildren or children of your own, or if you just like to, uh, look, there's videos for adults as well. There's Bible studies on every book of the Bible. It's a tremendous gift. Costs you nothing. So use it and share it. You can share it with anybody that you want to. And even though we've done all that, I've still had people ask me, when are we going to start on the Sanctuary? When are we going to start remodeling the sanctuary we have a lot of needs in here Uh, we've got physical changes that we want to do particularly down here in the front with this stage area we can clean it up i know it looks a little cluttered but we don't have any choice we need to do some remodeling there we have lighting changes that we want we want sound uh, to make uh, more acoustically inviting this building was not built for acoustics Uh, we have electronic we need new sound equipment We've come a long way, but we've got a lot of needs, and I want to encourage you to remember the Nehemiah Fund. That's where we're paying for all this, so if you would remember that fund and give generously as you feel led to do. Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention is we're overdue. We're running a little bit behind on our nominations for Leadership Council. We had a deadline of... February the 25th to turn those in but since then I've been approached by a few people that said you know I I really wanted to nominate somebody so we're going to extend this just for a few more days Uh, you can pick up a uh, application or a, a ballot if you will in order to make a nomination there are certain things that you've got to do you need to talk to the person make sure they're willing to run the, the uh, requirements are on here. I've got some. I'm going to lay them down up here. Uh, Benny has some in the back. And Benny, I think, uh, will just set them back there. If people want them, they can pick them up as they leave. But this is an important thing. The Leadership Council is the council that supports Timothy and also is responsible for the administration of the church. Uh, there's five of us on there right now. And uh, we're your people. But we need your input for who you want on this council. So take it seriously. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. We thank you for the many accomplishments that we have been able to make because of the generosity of your people. And as we come this morning to receive our tithes and offerings and our gifts, to you. We just ask that you would bless them, multiply them, and may they uh, do everything that you would have them do to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.